Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today I am honored to have two guests from a prolific comic book company that is on the research right now. We're talking Gold Key Comics. And with me today, I have Mike Dines, one of the new co-owners, as well as being the editor-in-chief of Gold Key Comics. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Hi, Lance. Hey, thanks for having us. Of course. And we're also joined by Michael Conrad, who commonly writes with his life partner, Becky Cloonan. You might know his work from Batgirls, from Wonder Woman, which is has had an epic run and will be coming to an end with issues 799 and 800. And you can also be on the lookout for the date that this episode drops, March 22nd of 2023, will be the first issue of Exo Manowar Unconquered number one from Valiant Hitting Stands. Welcome to the show, Michael Conrad. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I'm very excited to have both of you because Gold Key Comics is one of those things that I would run into at swap meets and like the most random long boxes and getting to see up in that top corner, Gold Key. And I tend to run into those Disney issues or some Sinbad. So I'm just wanting to ask specifically let's start with mike as someone that reached out and wanted to own gold key what was that motivation why gold key well gold key was one of the i guess in my um development as a as a a comic lover gold key was one of the pillars um it's one of those things that that people just recognize when they see gold key um the early gold key books a lot of them had the painted covers by george wilson and those painted covers stick in your head. I don't, know, I don't know what it is, but they they are amazing. I love those. And it, and it was the feeling of, I guess, the opportunity to you know be involved with this publisher that I that I had known since I was a child that, that I had seen. You know, they did a lot of they did a lot of um, a lot of license material. So a lot of things that I was into all of a sudden would be in Gold Key. You know, Harlem Globetrotters on the Gold Key and. Um, so, so just to be connected with that, it was an amazing opportunity that unfolded. Amazing. And Michael, what was your experience with Gold Key Comics? Well, it's, it's similar to yours, and I suspect that it's similar to most of uh, the comics community at large. It was these weird things that I didn't fully understand that I would find when I'm digging through back issues. <clears throat> um, and yeah, it was these incredible painted covers that first jumped out at me. I was like, man, they, this is something else entirely. And yeah, there was a lot of uh, strange licensed stuff, which, you know, if you're part of a fandom for, for any of those things, that's going to grab your attention. But for me, I was always kind of like uh, a weird uh, goony person with a limited budget and a love for just strange stories. So the Boris Karloff title was like my go-to. And there was a couple different reasons for that. Um, not the least of which being I loved anthologies because I didn't have to have issues one, two, three, four. I could pick up a random thing, get a single serving, multiple single servings, within the pages of, of, of a book. And that's something that I think is important to us in trying to recapture that spirit and trying to 
um, work under this gold key umbrella again is creating a point of entry with with all the books on the line where it's a come as you are like come come check it out give it a twirl like we're pretty sure that we're going to create something strong enough that you're going to want to keep showing up even if you've got a limited budget maybe you'll maybe you'll drop one of those other whack books from the big two uh, and i work for the big two don't drop my books <laughs> but but uh yeah i we were talking before we started recording about how um the industry really thrives when there's multiple publishers out there doing their thing and each one hopefully occupying a different place in the market and i'm by no means a business person <clears throat> but as a reader I've always known since I stumbled across these weird old artifacts of gold key comics that they certainly fit into the greater comics conversation in a way that was unique and in a way that's been woefully missed in their absence. So when I heard uh, gold key had been purchased by these strange people in Arizona, oh, I, I'm, I'm so ready for it. I'm so ready for another voice, another place, another publisher uh, to be on the racks. So being a part of it's super cool. Yeah, I'm I'm was always excited to find a gold key issue because there's something about just seeing that like 10 or that the 12 cent cover, like that price that I just love. <laughs> Careful, careful, Lance. Here, uh, we aren't charging twelve cents anymore. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> we, we changed. We changed certain things. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel you. Uh, I love finding an old, beat up one too. Like knowing that it was well loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's comic flippers in our crew. You know, people who go out and dig in back issue bins, kind of for a living. Yeah. Um, and out of the passion of maintaining the integrity of these artifacts from days gone by. Um, but I think we all love finding that beat up one, just knowing like, oh man, some, someone loved this. You got to have those creases, creases on the yeah, cover. Yeah. And they filled in the crossword and the, the games inside. Yes. That's the other thing. So within these issues of Tales of Mystery, so Boris Karloff's Tale of Mystery, you had not only these anthology stories which varied between like suspense, horror, thriller, there were also other things that you could actively engage in with the book, like puzzles and crosswords. And it just was an experience that someone in that time period, if you picked up a gold key comic, you weren't just getting like one story. You were getting entertainment to to it like a very big extent. And having mentioned Boris. Our listeners understand that our show, we like to do deep dives into characters. So I thought it would be helpful for our listeners that might not have heard of Boris Karloff before to learn a little bit about why he is such a legend. So Boris Karloff was born William Henry Pratt across the pond in England back in 1887. He was a renowned actor and became a horror icon after his portrayal of Frankenstein's monster in Frankenstein which dropped in 1931, which was actually his 82nd film. It's unbelievable. Strangely enough, he won a Grammy for his work narrating and voicing The Grinch in Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And that's like the only award he ever got. 
he didn't, Unbelievable. he's not looking at Oscars. He's not looking at, I don't know what kind of things. He, he started SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. He was like one of the founding members. Bro, give yourself an award. Give yourself a Screen Actors Guild award. <laughs> The Screen Actors Guild. He a lot of his experience filming Frankenstein led to that. The 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 hours of makeup and you know it took four hours to put the makeup on, then they would film for eight hours. It took another four hours to remove it, and then then back shooting the next day. I mean, it was um, it was the the it, the being an actor in the '30s was a different world than that we're used to now. Yeah, and you can tell I just want to keep jumping in, but. Yeah, keep going. Keep like I don't want to be the one to uh, to give the give the history, but man, I've got so much to say about Boris. I'm a huge fan, so it's so easy for me to just be like, oh, I want to talk about everything all at once. It's like I am here to ask questions and get responses or something. I know, and it's almost like I I don't understand the assignment. Oh, okay, you want me to talk? Okay, I do. yeah, Boris uh, is just one of those historical figures. And believe me, folks, I know that some of Boris's stuff hasn't aged super well. I know, like, hey, you know, this this person who's ostensibly white, and there's a conversation to have around that, too. Like, there's talk about him potentially being um, part Indian because his father was working uh, in India around the time that he came to be and lo and behold, your son is dark complected. Maybe there is something going on uh, where you had a child with someone else and you've kind of folded them into your family. Uh, I don't know anything about that uh, other than that's like one of the rumors that you hear. But what I do know is that in in kind of diving into the history of Boris, because Boris is a character within uh, the stories that we do. Um, Boris is someone that I identify with so, so much. And I think so many readers are going to identify with him too if they, if they don't know about his backstory. He was a real working class dude. Uh, somebody who, like pretty much broke his back doing manual labor uh, and didn't didn't uh, see himself as someone who was going to be able to pursue this impossible dream of being an actor. Um, so he harmed himself so so completely that he was unable to be a participant in World War I, which was very um, anomalous for the time. Most young fit men were enlisting and his back was just so bad that he couldn't do it. Um, And somehow or other, and it's kind of lost to the annals of history, he started um, acting in plays and he was so worried that he was going to embarrass his family. That's why he goes by uh, Boris Karloff rather than, is it William Pratt is his birth name? Yeah. Yeah, uh, William Henry Pratt. Yeah. Um, and man, like a big part of me identifies with that, you know, being from a blue collar family from New England and having these like really wild dreams of, oh, I want to write comics. And I want, I just never allowed myself to believe. I just, it would, you aren't going to art school, you aren't studying creative writing, you're going into the work world and you're going to go do your thing. So that's kind of what I did. So when I, 
you know, when I read about Boris Karloff um, worrying that he was going to be an embarrassment for his family, and he had other, you know, things that were contributing factors in his self-esteem issues. He had a stutter when he was quite young and a lisp that lasted his entire life. So, you know, when when your speaking voice is something that is um, already something that's under critique broadly, uh, it's quite bold that he he made his way onto the silver screen in the way that he did, made such a huge impact. And while many of his roles are, like I said, some of them are kind of problematic, like him playing an Asian person or him playing uh, First Nations people or Mexican folks, like it's, it's weird. Uh, but we're talking about a different time period. He was dark complected. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. But I really believe that Boris was just such a good person um, that that's something that <clears throat> makes him easily heroic and makes it so in, in the in the confines of our thing, he didn't like the term horror too much. So I'm not going to use it out of respect for him. But in these stories that we're telling that are thrillers and uh, have horrific elements to them, there, there's, there's a quality to what he brought to what he was doing that is transcendent of that, of that form. He, he, and um, who's the, who's the fool who, who's playing Dracula? Bram Stoker? No, no he wrote no. that book. Bella Lugosi, thank you. Uh, see, that's why Mike's the, uh, the editor. Um, <laughs> they were, they were doing a lot, I think, to elevate. Um, these things that were seen as kind of disposable media into being something that was more meaningful. And that's why universal monsters count so much is because they took something that was, you know, let's not even create a budget. Let's make trash and throw it out there. And that's the way comics were viewed for a long time. So again, I'm finding more kinship with this legendary character that we uh, have found permission to play with over at Gold Key. One thing you touched on, Michael, was Boris's kindness. Um, he he has, you know, I, I think that's what he brought to the character of Frankenstein, because as you said, that he, he had been in, in more than 80 films before Frankenstein. He was 43 years old, but that was his groundbreaking film. That was what made him a, a celebrity. Um, but but he had that that working class background that he knew what it was like to have to work for your for your meals and and work for your wages. Um, one of the greatest stories that, that that I really love is the the girl in Frankenstein, the one um, that that he threw into the water at the at the lake. Um, she has just a horrific backstory, and and in that in that filming, one of the things. You know, they they were really afraid that she would would be afraid of Boris, afraid of him in in costume. He was in, in his makeup, and she walked right up to him and she asked if he would would take her because they had, they had to they had to commute out from the the studio to the to the lake. And he, she asked if she could go with him, and and he was he was touched and and it was. But she perceived that that kind nature, that kind heartedness that he had. And, and another thing Michael touched on was was he didn't like the word horror. He liked the word terror. Um, and and it, it's, it's a subtle difference, but, you know, I, I look back, I've, I've been a horror fan my whole life and, and, and I, I can see what he's saying that there are movies that, that really aren't, there's no story to them, right? They're, they're almost like just, just a venue to, to shock. 
and and I've never really connected with those. But but some of the ones that that even if they have that shocking element, when they have a story behind them, it, it's much more impactful. And and I, I think you can get away with a lot more in the in the genre when you have a good story, um, rather than just trying to put out some crazy idea that that you think will shock everyone. That you think you've discovered the most shocking thing, you know. The, the, that all of a sudden you, you're the one to come up with the most shocking thing you put on film. So We're lucky to live in a time where there's room for transgressive storytelling where it's just, hey, this is going to be a bloodbath and it's going to be big and dumb and you're going to show up, eat a bunch of popcorn, yell at your partner uh, and go home and forget about the movie immediately. Uh, the types of, of horror, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, um, I said I wasn't going to use that. Dang. Uh, I'm, I'm going to use it because that's the parlance of, of my people. Uh, when it comes to horror, most of my favorite horror is stuff that's about the types of fears that hit closest to home for me. Uh, I'm quite a large person. I'm seven foot six. You know, I can dunk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm six foot three. <laughs> I'm like a, but I'm a reasonably tall person with a bunch of tattoos. I look kind of grumpy. And I realized at some point in my life, oh, I'm the person that's kind of scary when I'm walking down an alley. And that isn't self-congratulatory. I don't find any joy in making someone else uncomfortable. But I realized like, oh, the thing that I'm more concerned about isn't getting mugged or getting assaulted. Uh, the thing that I'm more concerned about is, can I trust myself? Can I trust my own mind? Can I trust the people around me? Can I trust that reality is what it seems? Um, can I, can I interface with a wide variety of people and do little harm? Because that's like my great fear is causing hardship for other people around me. Why? Because I'm, I like to see myself as someone like Karloff, who's like, kind of a big scary dude with dark eyes and all this um, but I want that little girl who has to trust me to throw her in the water to be cool with it and to know that I've got her her wellness at heart what we do with the story with stories is we take that um, we take that dread and we we twist the volume up a little bit you know we get we get in there and we get you thinking like, oh, maybe I can't be trusted. Oh, maybe this little girl is in harm's way because of me and mm -hmm. I'm not even realizing it. I see myself as this good person, as this well-meaning individual who doesn't want to cause harm, but I will cause harm. I am the bad guy. So that's an element of, of terror that we might explore in the pages of, of, of Karloff. Well, Michael, that's a really good, I, I think, insight into into Boris because one of the one of the things, the background of that of that role is that um, it was offered to Bela Lugosi and he turned it down because it wasn't a speaking role. And, and thank he, goodness it made it made another icon, you know. Yeah, well, and, everyone got the benefit of him yeah, passing on that role. I couldn't picture Bela Lugosi in that role, and and what's what's more remarkable to me as as an actor is just pure actor. Um, uh, technique is how he brought that kindness into that role and the the contrast between the kindness and the monster that you feel that 
you feel that innocence, that that naivete as he goes about his life, and you know what what you know the, the things the things he does that he doesn't understand. But but the, it it's almost like in Carlisle's portrayal of the monster, you see you see a a good hearted person who doesn't know what he's doing. And what a dynamic thing when you are reanimated amalgamation of a variety <laughs> of corpses uh, to be able to show up and to to show oh the core thesis of this character is this is a, a person mm. so to be able to to have that. Uh, scary uh, part to it um, but also to have that core humanity is really big and it's such a departure from Mary Shelley's vision um, from her story and uh, you know one might be inclined to be a purist and be like oh well you know if they did it right it would have but I I, I present to you The Shining uh, Stanley Mm -hmm. Kubrick like certainly doing so many of its own things uh, and on I, I don't want to do a value assessment as to uh, you know Stephen King's idea of it and Kubrick's idea of it. <clears throat> they can, they can both coexist. It's it's fine. Similar to uh, Frankenstein, that's fine too. Uh, although that Stephen King uh, remake of The Shining uh, from the nineties, <laughs> yay! That's that's a whole thing. <laughs> that's a whole thing in it a podcast on, on on the history of horror i think oh we could get into it that's that's the spin-off episode yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well michael it's it's very exciting whenever i hear the writers coming into a series have such a connection to the the character character or individual associated with what they are going to be writing about i feel like that is what leads to the best stories when you're able to take yourself put you and and be in the situation and being able to be like i i relate to this character this individual how am i going to experience the situation because most likely if you align with that other person it your reaction will most likely be what their reaction would be and it feels very organic storytelling from there so very excited to hear all those connections that you have to boris now the comic book where they took Boris's name and then they added it to Boris Karloff Thriller initially. The first two issues of the comic book were Boris Karloff Thriller because of the television show that he was on at that point in time. And this was all the way back in 1962. After the show ended, they actually switched the title of the comic to Boris Karloff Tales of Mystery. With the comic coming back, are we going to keep that Boris Karloff Tales of Mystery, or is the title going to be a little bit different? So the title is going to be a little bit different, okay? Um, but it's going to have that same feel. Now, the 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 content is actually something that that I'm very excited about. Um, initially, you know, one thing about the the comics world, I, I've been in comics since I was a child and and you get a lot of people who say a lot of things and don't deliver um and people you know there, there's some characters it it, it draws it, it is great I mean there, there's I, I think of like comic dealers like Mike Carbonaro in New York like the guy he's he's a he's a coot but he's but he's awesome um but I I always I 
I consider myself kind of a, a protector and I'm always very protective of the things that I value. And, and I've, I've valued Boris's legacy for a long time when, when we were able to, to, to secure the contract. I mean, that was something that like I, it just blew my mind. Um, so, so I was really reluctant uh, at first as to how we were going to use Boris in the stories. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we preserved his legacy. And last year at, at San Diego Comic-Con, I was able to, to spend some time with Michael in person. And I, I, I felt like, like it's in good hands. Like, like Michael knows what he's doing. He, he's, and he, he's got a heart for it. It's not just, it's not just a, a technical thing. He's not, it's not just something that somebody brought to him and said, here's, here's a way you can make, you know, he's not making much off this at all. So it's not like he's not looking to get rich quick, obviously, but, but it, that, that he does value the, the, the deeper part of it. And that made me feel, um, feel better about, about the, the direction that he was proposing. Cause, cause at first I was, I thought, you know, unless this is in somebody's, you know, really well, well done, it's not, it, it, it could be done poorly, but, but Michael's amazing. What I proposed is, is quite grim. It's, it's pretty dark. And the, the Karloff estate is essentially um, in the hands of his, his only child. Yeah. Um, so we have a responsibility to that child to not, through some comic book, uh, smear her dead father. And she doesn't want that. <clears throat> so, but also I feel a responsibility to the legacy of Karloff and to the legacy of the book and the TV show, to, to, you know, hundred whatever movies this gentleman was responsible for making. 174. Yeah. So we're talking, let's round it up to 200. He did two honey. Um, and I feel such a huge responsibility to that as one of the core people that are responsible for carrying this torch and for keeping it alive. Um, we talked to, you know, a, a big portion of this has been about let's let people know who Karloff was because there's young folks out there who maybe haven't been exposed to this person. So if our, if their first exposure to Karloff is in a comic where it's grim and dark and strange and Karloff is represented as kind of scary and messed up, um, that might not jibe well with his daughter, who is now a person of, of, of age and maybe thinking about their, how will I be remembered? Mortality is a terrifying thing. You know, that's like part of what makes horror interesting or thrillers or terror. <clears throat> part of what makes it interesting is it's playing with some of these things that uh, we try not to think about. You're, you're laying down trying to go to sleep. You're thinking about, oh, man, I'm going to be going to be dead soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? This sucks. Uh, you try not to think about that. And then, of course, the next thought is, how will I be remembered? Hmm. And I think the best way to honor Karloff is to um, is to not pull punches, to be fair. Um, 
so yeah, we we kind of we didn't. It wasn't a long round of kicking things back and forth, but uh, Mike was critical in kind of being like, "Hey, let's let's capture the the yin and the yang here. Let's let's capture like the dualism." that exists within somebody who plays people who do terrible things and somebody who in the real world was quite good. How do we, how do we create that? How do we portray that rather on the page in a way that's meaningful and not boring? Uh, And what resulted was something far stronger, something that I believe has appealed to uh, the people responsible for protecting his legacy and certainly that's something that we're never going to forget in, in the process of doing this. <clears throat> Karloff will not be a crypt keeper. This isn't some cackling weirdo who's glad to see terrible things happening to people. Uh, we're taking a different approach. I don't even want to talk about it here because I want people to show up for the comic because it's going to be a slowly unwinding thing where... Um, you're going to have a lot of different feelings about what Karloff is up to in this book. And that's, that's willful. You know, we're playing with you. That's what storytelling is all about. Um, but know that we're fans. You know that, <laughs> like I said, I identify with this, with this gentleman that I've never met. Um, and I've got a real vested interest in making sure that, uh, that legacy, um, is is well protected, loved, and cherished, and that people who are unfamiliar with Karloff's work, uh, I hope that they pick up the comic and they're like, "Who? What is this?" And then go and watch a couple movies and have their mind blown by what cinema looked like back in the day, or go digging in the in the dollar bins and find some old Karloff books and see like, <laughs> like this is kind of like hokey and fun. And then there's that modern gold key book that is kind of dangerous, weird, scary, and pl- messing with me all the time. Um, yeah, we've we, it's a huge uh, burden, uh, and I don't want to say definitively like oh, in a self congratulatory way, say like oh we've done it, we figured out the sauce, but we worked very hard to try and approximate the sauce. You know, when you try and make Big Mac, Big Mac sauce at home, it might not be all the way there. Maybe it's elevated. <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see what people think. I think I think you're gonna love it. Perfect. Gold Gold Key approximated sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah gold Gold Key sauce. Mike, we're gonna we're, we're putting that on the cover, by the way. Approximated <laughs> sauce. <laughs> it's gonna be our underground label, uh, Gold Key sauce. Yeah, not my best sales pitch, but. Dog on it. I want. I want to be real with y'all. You know, yeah, like it's gonna, it's gonna be sick. You know, it's gonna. It's when y'all see it, you'll know. You'll know. You'll know where we're at. It's fine. Yeah. I'm comfortable with that. We are excited to announce that we are actually launching a Patreon for Comic Book Keepers, which will be launching on April 5th of 2023. We'll have a new Patreon for super fans of the show. There's a lot of exclusive perks bonus content, bonus episodes, a community discord where we can all talk about nerdy stuff with each other, and even a new exclusive sticker to be had for the first 50 members that sign up. But mostly, it helps us keep making cool content that you and we love very much. 
We both do this on the side and upkeep of equipment, hosting, time to research, and fueling a slightly unhealthy comic habit takes time and moolah, so any support you can provide is appreciated. So once again, the Comic Book Keepers Patreon will launch on Wednesday, April 5th. So mark your comics calendars and thank you. Well, and, and Mike, Michael's done a great job. I, I've, I've been very impressed. And the the comic itself will have ongoing stories, but it'll also have it'll, it'll, it'll have that nod to the anthology, like you say, the, the, the thriller Um so there will, be, and I'm really excited about some of the other artists that we're using. Also, um, one of one of the artists in particular that I, I was not familiar with before um, before they were brought to us it was amazing, and you guys are going to be you guys are gonna be blown away by his stuff. Um, but the 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 person that that really brought this book together was our our editor Zane Zane Barrow. That guy has been patient. He's been patient with me, you know, <laughs> you know, two in the morning, sending off a bunch of emails and, you know, then I went like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. But that he has had the patience of the Pope in dealing with us. And then, and putting together a team of just top guys who, who, who have put out some great stuff. I mean, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to put this out there. I can't wait to, for everybody to see it because, because it's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited because, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, as the gold key comic book historian, it's been over 40 years since we've had a Boris Karloff tale of mystery story. Yeah, so, so it's been over 40 years since Boris Karloff tales of mystery story. Gold key had, a, it's kind of a soft reboot with the Valiant stuff. So Valiant, when Valiant first launched, they bought some of the, the license to some of the gold key material like Magus robot fighter and uh turok son of stone and i remember that when they, when they relaunched it you know these books kind of like oh it's a, it's like what's going on here and then they were they were big for a while and it, it kind of kind of petered out um the the Goldkey was an interesting label because it, it was part of western publishing they had dell um and they, they they started gold key to do a lot of their licensed stuff so a lot of the disney movies a lot of one shots of some of those crazy. This, this is also the time for Disney when they were doing these live action wacko movies that that <laughs> are just bizarre, you know. And Herbie was probably the most famous, but there's a lot of other ridiculous Disney stuff that came out at that time. But a lot of those have one shots in Gold Key, like the Scarecrow of Romney Marsh and just ridiculous things. And and one thing I love about Gold Key is the lightheartedness. They, they there's something about comics that that I found that comics really work when they don't take, they take themselves seriously in one aspect that they, that they tell stories seriously. They, but they're also a bit ridiculous. They don't always explain why they're ridiculous. Like they, that's the beauty of comics. It's like, you know, I remember as a kid getting a comic and you see the cover and then you read the comic and nothing on the cover is in the comic, but it's like, it's okay. Cause it's comics. That, that, that's just how comics are. And, and Gold Key did a, did a lot of that. Just, just that the lighthearted stories, um, the so so as they started getting away from licensed properties, they they realized that that having their own stable of of, of IP was more valuable than just licensing things. Um, they they experimented with a lot of a lot of funny stuff too. They actually went back to some of the old um, the old radio sequels, and th there's there's one um, it's called "The Close Shaves of Pauline Peril." 
and it's it's just based on an old radio show. Pauline Perel was a was a I believe a news uh, you know a reporter, and and she had to get into all these weird situations. And Golki tried to make that work, and it it didn't work, but it was it was fun for the you know few episodes that or few issues that it that it uh, that it lasted. But to, to me, it's that lighthearted that lighthearted thing that 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 adds adds to the whole the whole brand of Golki. Yeah, there there's like um a gonzo quality to it where it's um this feeling of oh this publisher can like does everything like (laughs) you know like what is this like uh yeah having their own stable of characters doing weird i swear they did like some not ducktails but like some (laughs) weird things with ducks (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that sounds worse than it is. <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was just ducks. You know, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it, it it's just neat when a publisher is is not trying to fully manufacture an identity, and it's more like, oh, this is a thing that we like. This is. This is something that we think is cool. Like that's that's all that it needs to be. Uh, I recently, this this is getting a little personal. I was talking with a publisher at a at us. It was a smaller publishing house, and the publisher was like critiquing the artist of some creator-owned work, and all I could think like. I was feeling my spirit leaving my body as he was prattling on. It's like, is that your job to have that opinion? Like, furthermore, um, like just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean that it's not working for someone else and that it doesn't have a place on the, on the racks. Uh, and you see a lot of this weird kind of gatekeeping and it's not gatekeeping to say, Hey, we don't have a budget for this work or we, we don't know how to, we don't believe that we'll be able to properly market this work. Uh, but it is kind of gatekeeping when you've got like your own weird little peccadillas that you're going to project out across your line and say, Hey, we're going to do this kind of thing. And, and inevitably it's always uh, some uh, and this is this might sound insulting to some folks, but it's all good. It's always going to be some white dude being like, "Oh, this doesn't." <laughs> I just swore. I told myself I would beep that <laughs> if you can. That... I, I can take care of it. Don't worry. I'm a writer. I swear a lot. That's that's part of the gig. Um, it's always someone uh, of a who wants to. There's an alternate agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually it's they're an edge lord. Usually it's uh, we, you know, it, they're caught up in this weird kind of '90s mentality of everything's got to be over the top and kooky and wild and violent and aggressive. And yeah, there's room for all of that, but there's also room for a variety of different storytelling modes and ways of going about it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Comics is a medium for everyone. Like the majority of some of the greatest creators in comics, the majority of their work was in romance comics. Look it up. 
So the things that you might think are are the most important for a creator, the things that paid their bills for a long time, were the things that certain people didn't read, but other people loved. Jack Kirby! <laughs> you know, Kirby! They All the bangers had uh, stuff that was slice of life, romance, oh, let's target this different demographic, which is like a gross way of saying, let's tell stories for everyone. And I think we're living in a day and age now where, um, and I know Gold Key has has a real interest in this of being a representative place, being a place where there's a there's a wide variety of stories being told by a wide variety of different types of people, um, and that's certainly an interest for us in in the in the house of Karloff to be. Uh, let's make sure that we're being fair and that we're giving voices where we're, we're giving a platform where different voices uh, would benefit from it. Yeah. Well, and everything you say, Michael reminds me like, the, the comics market has changed in the last 30 years, incredibly um, similar to how music has changed that, that you, you know, the, the big, um, the big public, and, and we don't want to. We're you know we're not looking to up uh, you know surplant any. I mean, obviously we're just we're just we're hoping to just put out good books. Um, but I, I feel like Marvel and DC they do superheroes fine, so we're not really going to be putting out a whole lot of superhero stuff. But comics used to be more than superheroes. I mean, there were you could say there were there were romance and there were war comics and there were westerns and they were you know just weird stuff and. The thing about comics is it's a, it's a visual medium that is that doesn't have a high cost of entry. So, you know, film is a visual medium, but it has a high cost of entry. It's hard to make films well. Um, and it's always it's always been, you know, difficult to make to make films well to, to portray visual things. But in comics, you can you can draw amazing things and you can you can tell stories visually. And that's what I love about the medium is that. That there are no gatekeepers. There's just story, and people connect to story because it's human. And that that's you know Boris was human. That that these stories are are, are human, and you can connect to them. Um, that's the thing that, that makes me want to makes me want to do this. That, that you, you, you see how the editor in chief of Gold Key goes though. <laughs> uh, yeah, people out there who are doing stuff that doesn't fit that goofy um i don't know that that punch and kick in mode i highly highly suggest you put together your your pitch package and and pop over to gold keys website and maybe be sending some things in it's a long shot but um in terms of like the mainstream comics market uh to hear the editor-in-chief of a publisher say Hey, we got respect for romance comics for for a variety of different genres. Uh, that that's really powerful stuff. That's you aren't hearing that from from many voices in this community. So that's what makes me excited. Is like, oh, cool. I'm I'm in bed with people who get it, who are down with. Somebody's gonna do it. You know, manga's winning. 
and it's not a competition between Western comics and manga, but manga figured out how to find an audience for people. It's a comic book about volleyball. It's a comic book about somebody cooking really well. It's a comic book about feeling awkward in school. There's no reason that Western comics can't tell these types of stories. And certainly there's a market for it because these manga sell really well. Uh, we just have to figure out how to do it. And I think the way to figure out how to do it is to be bold enough as a publisher to say, no, we're going to go there. We're going to invest in these creators. We're going to give them the room to room to dream. And then we're going to go from there. And I believe that gold key is that space. Well, I appreciate that, Michael. And I will say that, that everybody, every submission we get, a human looks at it. So every, every submission that comes to the website, every email that we get that has something, somebody at least looks at it. So we, like you said, we can't guarantee, we're, I mean, we're obviously not publishing everything we get, um, but at least we're, at least somebody's going to see it. Um, you know, at least we can, we can offer you that, that, that somebody will see it and, and actually, you know, um, we, we are totally self-funded. So, so we're starting off slow, but, but we're, we're getting some great stuff in and we can't wait to to put out more. I mean, I'm excited about that. Well, you also mentioned not only, obviously we know Michael is going to be writing the Boris Karloff book, but you also mentioned other creative teams that are going to be a part of this relaunch of gold key. So is this like the jump into a gold key universe? What, what are we looking at for this company? So we, we, we've talked about that. I mean, part of you know, being able to launch at this point, we can see what other people have done and what, what things have been successful. One thing that we want to make sure that we never do is we don't want to be an IP farm. Um, a lot of the comic publishers over the last 10 years that have popped up, they, they, they've, they've entered these exploitive contracts with creators that, that are basically about securing film deals. And, you know, if, if that works out great, I mean, we'd, we'd love to have Gold Key Comics make it into film, but we're not looking to squeeze somebody's creation from them right like we want to work with creators um i think for for most of us like for at least for for our for our leadership is that, that we want creators to feel to feel bought in that, that this is their their place like this is this is the place where they can come and they're going to be treated fairly um and that it, we we do want to create create a cohesive universe but there's going to be things outside the universe too there's going to be one shots and bizarre things and, and you know stuff that comes up that you know when we first started this the, one of the things that drove me was this concept that story never dies right like when you read ancient like what the effing bible is a story right like these stories that that there's something about story that is bigger than people that is bigger than what we're doing and and that that doesn't that there's no way to keep that down if story's going to come out people connect to stories i don't know why these hairless apes that wander the universe now connect to stories or what wander the planet connect to stories like they do but they do like, we connect to stories oh you see how the kid goes that's amazing mike <laughs> mike i just want to hear you go on at length about these hairless apes man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so into it um, yeah, I think it takes, um, it takes being somewhat visionary it take, to, to be active in this space. 
there's so many cool publishers. And Golki is not going to be upset with me to say, like, you know, places like, like Vault or, of course, Image. You, you know, these are, these are great places that you pay attention to. And you see, like, oh, they're doing a lot of uh, really except, exceptional good things. Oni, uh, and I know Oni, like, people have been, been checking the uh, life support system on that one. They're fine. It, they're going to do incre more incredible things. Dark Horse, all these places where people can bring creator-owned things. Um and maintain their their personhood with their creative work. That's kind of the model that every I know that everyone at uh, Gold Key are paying attention to that. They're looking at oh, it seems as if creative people do their best work when they can maintain their ownership over the property. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> like yeah, you might phone it in when you can't bring it home with you. But when you can when you can own it, you're gonna really own it, and you're gonna put your your blood, sweat, and tears onto the page. So that's part of uh, part of my role over at Boris is we're we're trying to create a place where um, yeah, it can be collect it can be in an anthology, but how do we do it in a way that the creators own their own material? And we found a pretty ingenious way to do it um and i don't know i don't think people outside of the industry perhaps or outside of like really being introspective or um you know explorative about like how these stories are put together i, I don't know that it'll be explicit on the page um but i i'm telling you right now the people that are contributing to boris karloff they they're owning their own thing uh, and for for someone like me who grew up during an era where the big conversation was about creator rights, um, and I grew up punk, you know, I grew up, uh, and I remain punk uh, to whatever degree I'm allowed to be punk mm -hmm. in my middle age. Um, I've got a real interest in making sure that creators are are put before the things that they create. We're humans first, and then we create stories and comics. And while these stories and comics hopefully outlive us and become our legacy moving forward, uh, while you're here, we want to take care of you and do, do right by you. So that's uh, yet another reason why it was easy for me to get with, with Gold Key, because I knew uh, these these fools are, are dumb enough to allow people to own their own material. <laughs> and I love it. I want to really quickly uh, tell the story about how I came into contact with this iteration of Gold Key because it's, it's short and it's kind of fun. I was tabling at WonderCon and somebody came up and bought, I had this one uh, tiny little, um, zine that I printed maybe 20 pages and it, it was about a I wrote it in and I drew it which I'm not much of an artist but I, it was right at the beginning of COVID and I had all this medical anxiety hmm. there wrote this story about this guy who was like finding all this stuff growing in his skin and like pulling it out and, and being weird with it and um 
it goes on. It's got a punchline and everything. It, it it's more than just somebody picking out their skin. But that that was like of twenty pages. That was like eighteen pages of it with somebody with some tweezers ripping stuff out of their skin. And this good-looking gentleman comes up and is like, "Yeah, I, I want this, but I gotta run super fast." So look, he like threw down a twenty, or, and I think I was selling it for five bucks. He's like, "Keep the change." <laughs> it was such like a baller move. And then he like he flipped through it real quick and came back and threw down a uh, threw down a, a card. And he's he starts running. He had stuff to do. I look at the card and it had that gold key logo on it. Yeah. And I was like, dude, wait, what? What? <laughs> like, come back. And he turns around. He's got to go. He's sweating. He's like, I got I to gotta catch a flight or whatever. <laughs> he was like, what is this? And he was like, email me. And takes off running. <laughs> and I was just like, what is going on? What a mystery. So that's where... Um, that's where and how I became connected with Gold Key. It wasn't like, hey, we like Wonder Woman and we like this. And that. it was, this is just a person who's out there in Artist Alley looking at stuff that makes them excited. And I was like, that is how you, that's how you are a publisher. Like my stuff. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but look, look to the weird stuff. Look to the stuff that's um, that's not easily accessible, and and see the see the value in it, and make it broadly broadly available. Well, I gotta say that's great, Michael, because I've never heard that side of the story. So I heard the other side. But so we were, we, you know, we 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 met in our meeting, and and our, our Lance came in with a stack of. A stack of books he had picked up from WonderCon, and we started flipping through. And I saw that book, but the guy picking it, it was like a hair on his thumb or something. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I connected with it, right? Like it was, it was like I, I get it. I get like that hair, like I'm like picking at it, and I'm like, who's this? This one's good. And, and from there, we we started talking, and he's like, oh, you know, I, I talked to the, that's Michael Conrad. I talked to him at, at WonderCon, and so we went through the whole stack, and that was the one that it, it drew us in because it was so visceral. It reminded me of, I don't know if you guys ever went to Spike and Mike's Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation in the late 90s, but they would, oh, pop, yeah. up, they would pop up at small theaters, and there was one where a, the, a guy had a, a hangnail, right, and he eventually pulls it, and it like, eventually like it like splits him in half, like his skin falls out, but it's like, it's like something about a hangnail you can relate to, something about this little hair, right, like I'm like, I'm like, I can relate to that. Like I would, I would be obsessing about that. I'd be thinking, I'd be picking at that when I was supposed to be doing other things. <laughs> I, was, I get it. So. Dude, I'm, I'm so glad you liked it too. <laughs> uh, for people that are interested in that story, I think it's called the strange disappearance of Robert Lau. Hmm. And it's available. Uh, if you find me on social media, Michael W. Conrad, you can find my little web store and, it, and it's there. I think it's five bucks. Yeah, and, and, uh, Dude, and if you like it, if if you like it, you'll know like, oh, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what made the publisher be like, oh, you should work on this big cool thing. Uh, kind of amazing. Thank you. Yeah. No, well, and you know, you talked about that. Like, that's one of my favorite things: going through Artist Alley and finding finding things that other people maybe haven't discovered. And um. 
you know, with, with the industry changing, a lot of people are able to publish stuff, self self publish things. And so, one of the things that we had to to sort of as a team it, like is get to grips with is what are we offering people? I mean, why would somebody come to Gold Key when they could could self publish? Um, and it came down to you know distribution, marketing, sort of the, the bigger things, volume. Um, but, but but right now for creators, it, it is like the music industry was a few years ago, where you can put out really good stuff, professional grade stuff, without having a, a publisher. It's an interesting time. Oh, and and we love it. Like go do it yourself. Like that's yeah. the most amazing thing you can do. Uh, I'm never gonna stop self publishing. I'll work with cool publishers like Gold Key, DC, Valiant, like whoever whoever wants to dance. Uh, no, it's not like it's. I'm not that easy. <laughs> but uh, I always know, like I'm just never gonna stop making stuff myself because that's where I started. I did it for ten years in in solitude with like a readership that included. Uh, one of my brothers, I've got two brothers, one would read it, the other one wouldn't care. And then uh, maybe I could force it up upon like one good friend. And then I would have a sales uh, amounting in two, which would be great, considering my print run was two. <laughs> so you, what you're saying is you just sold out all the time. Sold out. Like, <laughs> the dream. it off the rails. Went to second print. <laughs> Every time went to second print. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna steal that joke. I'm gonna use that so much. <laughs> I'm glad. So, for for those listening, Boris Karloff served as the narrator for the major for for those stories. He would introduce those those anthology stories that we would get, and once in a while he would show up in the background, but he was never an active participant. And I know that you can't share too much, but it sounds like Boris is going to be doing a little bit more than just serving as the narrator this time around. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boris is an in-universe character. Um, the plan is for each issue to have kind of a framing story wherein it makes sense. Uh, the stories contained within each issue will um connect in some way to what boris is up to um without boris intruding or being like hey now something ghoulish because that's not what boris does <laughs> also i'm into that don't don't get me wrong i'm into like crypt keeper what vault of horror like all this stuff where there's like some like witchy person being like yeah hey, here's a cool thing um, but it's a little more exquisite than that. Part of that is to make sure that the creators retain <clears throat> their rights without having it stepped on by um, a license from outside getting in their story. Um, but I look at, and, and as does the entire Gold Key team, we look at and we read each thing that's coming in that's going to fill out the meat of the sandwich. And it's reflected in what Boris is doing. Um, but the Boris story actually stands on its own really well, too. And it allows for Boris to be something bigger than 
oh, I'm stuck as this uh, omniscient narrator. Rather, it gives Boris some actual agency within um, this kind of more fleshed out story that's going on within the pages of the book. Um, it's kind of, it's threading the needle every time. It's, we, we walk a dangerous line, uh, but I think it's super cool. And uh, I think Mike agrees. Like Mike's been really critical in terms of making sure, let's make this as cool as we can. Let's make every piece. Let, let's not have, we don't need a dead page where it's like, and now for something creepy, you do, it's just bang, one yep. cool thing after another. Uh, but yeah, Boris is he's all over the place. Uh, and I think he's going to be a critical part of the overarching uh, look at the, the gold key U. Uh, GKU, as, <laughs> as it goes. Definitely, this is where the seed is planted. Um, and I, I've really appreciated it, Michael, because I, I, I am skeptical by nature that, it, that you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an attorney and I don't like attorneys. If that makes sense. Like, like I, I don't like. That's another level of self-deprecation. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 yeah I'm, I'm a writer and I don't like writers, so that's all good. That may be why we connect. I mean, like, I think yeah. there's a sense of, you know, and maybe it's that, you know, having to, having to, you know, I worked construction for seven years before I went to law school and it was, it was a different path. And I'm very skeptical when, when people want to do something and want to take something, you know, that like, like Michael talked about that Boris has a legacy and, and I, I, I would, I would feel ashamed of myself if whatever we put out didn't add to that, if it detracted from that, if we were trying to exploit that, if we were trying to, you know, Oh, we, we, we've, we've, we've reached, you know, this agreement with, with, with the Karloff estate, let's, let's squeeze it for everything. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live with that. Um, and the, the process going so far as has, has been, has been, difficult but 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 great i mean it's it's been one of those things that 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 has has brought me in and so I, i'm really excited about what michael has done and I, you know, like 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 happens. you said earlier mike zane's a huge part of it yes uh, an incredibly wise and sensitive editor is is really important yeah well and, and zane zane did most of the heavy lifting with this book. I mean, he put the, the, the teams together. Um, he went, you know, it, it, having Zane on was great because he took care of stuff before we even knew it was a thing. He just took care of it. And, you know, I, I think man, if I, as a, as a, in management position, that's what you want people to do is just, but man, I didn't even know it was a problem. It's already solved. That's great. Yeah. So is this Boris Karloff title going to be the first book that that is starting the Gold Key universe? This will be the first book published by Gold Key. As far as the Gold Key universe, I I, I guess this this will be the seed of it. As okay. for how that manifests, we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, I mean, in a superhero universe, you, it, it's easier, right? Like you just have these wacky people, like with one one ability that that gets them, you know, so far. But we, we really want to do different genres. We want to have romance. We want to have westerns. We want to have you know weird war, and we want to we want to have all this, you know. So it 
it, it's going to it's going to this is going to be the seed um how that plans out it's still it's still unfolding that's exciting yeah i think we've created something esoteric and far-reaching enough that really you could do whatever you want with it um in terms of interconnectivity it's like to whatever degree folks want to want to play the game uh which again Putting agency in the hands of creators is going to be the way to make sure that you get the best, the best that they have to offer. So it's not going to be like, oh, you're showing up at Gold Key. Oh, here's like a list. Here's a whole agenda of things that you must accomplish. No, go make a, an amazing book. Go make that amazing book. That's all that anyone here wants. Make it amazing. Uh, make it make it tremendous, outstanding, all any superlative you can come up with, because that's what comics really needs. Like, <laughs> that's that's really all that it needs, and that's all that Western comics needs to kind of catch up to that manga profile that's been set up, where there can be a wide variety of genres and stories and places on the shelf, uh, and I. I, this hasn't been something that we've discussed at length, but I think like that's kind of the the subtext of of all of this is how do we open this thing up? Mm. Uh, how do uh, and are we dumb enough? Are we smart enough? Are we like are we just bold enough to give it a whack? <laughs> I, th- I think I think the gold key guys are all of those things with the dumb thing, like really high on the <laughs> list of superlatives. Yes. Uh, and I love them for it. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad you got brought up the, the manga. I, I, I find manga to be a great um, example for this, that, you know, I, I see a lot of manga and I'm not connected with it, but every once in a while I'll see a manga and I'm like, that's really good. Like, how did, somebody, how did somebody decide to make that because I could see a lot of people saying like one of my favorite artists is Shintaro Kego at the manga. And he does this crazy body horror stuff that that's almost, there's almost like it, you know, there's a bit of like bubble gum in it. I don't know. And it's, and I'm like, how did somebody say, yeah, let's put this, let's publish this. Like that's the kind of mindset I want to have is like that when something amazing comes along, like just, do it. I don't want to. I want to facilitate it and not and not stand in the way. Not try to, you know, this isn't the 1940s where we're trying to squeeze every nickel out of everything. Like like, what crazy stuff we throw out there and 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 have it work. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there is a lot of exciting things happening over at Gold Key right now. Are we able to say either the title of the Boris Karloff book or a release date yet? So the Kickstarter will go live on the 28th. So okay. the Kickstarter is going to have a, an artist, well, artist edition may not be the right word. It's going to have a, have a exclusive edition that people who support the Kickstarter. There's going to be several different um, perks you can get, but one of them will be a, a hardcover um, exclusive edition of the first, the first book. So that will be the, the first printing or first publishing of any, of any content will be available through the Kickstarter. Um, from that, the, the timeline as to when 
the the first issue of Boars will be the the stories that we've produced for the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter will have extra. You'll get extras with that. Um, as far as the time frame from that, that's probably we're probably looking at late this year before that hit goes through Diamond and hits the the local comic stores. Great, thank you. Thanks for sharing. So yeah, yeah. If if you fools are are kooky enough to to get on Kickstarter, uh, <laughs> I, I encourage you to do so. If if that's not your speed and you just want to pick it up at, at your LCS, it's going to be there too. Um, but you might miss out on some kind of neat stuff. You'd be surprised how many people, as soon as they hear the word hardcover, are going to jump on that. Me That's being why. one of them. Oh, good. Uh, you know what? Everyone's got their freak. <laughs> uh, personally, my freak uh, is absolutely like I love a hardcover. Mm. I didn't when I was a kid. I always wanted, but something changed. And I was like, now I want that. I want that hardcover though. Maybe it was yep. my budget changed a little bit, and I was, and I wanted something that felt a little bit more permanent. I, I've had the same thing. I think for me, it, it's the what's changed is my lifespan. That uh, I know, like a paperback lasts a little while, but a hardback lasts longer. And I, you know, now that I've, I'm I'm 46, like you know, stuff I bought when I was 20 is if I the paperbacks are falling apart, but the hardbacks are still they're still going strong. And we read hard. We. <laughs> you know, we'd be, we'd be flipping them pages like crazy. So you got to have that hardback. Uh, we hope that people jump on early. That's going to make us feel really good and excited and, and comfortable. Um, but I think we're all kind of going at this uh, kind of with like a whatever dude kind of personality of we really want you there. You know, we, we really do. But if you don't show up, like, you can't stop it. Like, it's just coming. <laughs> like, Karloff is coming. That and gold key sauce is coming. That, yeah, that, that approximated uh, <laughs> sauce, <laughs> or whatever I called it. No, this is the sauce. Like, you getting all that sauce, bang, right upside the face. Kickstarter. Woo woo. We in the. <laughs> <laughs> so. This has been a great conversation. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that either of you would like to mention? I want to, while Mike's thinking, I want to tease. Uh, I know some of the other stuff that Gold Key has got planned. And I and I see social media. I see what people are saying and, and what they're calling out. Uh, and, and I can't give anything away, but I will say, like, you're going to get served. Like, you're, like, the... Yes, yes. That thing that you want, yes. Uh, I see you. Uh, can't say any more about that. But also look at look at um, Karloff one because you might see um, some of the creators for that other thing that you want to see. You might see some of them in that first book. So that's a that's a tease right there. And hopefully I didn't cross any lines there, editor in chief Mike. Oh. Oh, you're good. You're good. And I think, you know, that one of our, th you know, we've, we've reached out to several properties that were published under the original gold key. Um, we have one that, that is um, fairly close to being, to being ready. Um, 
and in another that is that is in the in the works um, we have some new stuff that fits with the the the, the vibe like the gold key vibe um, it, it's not it's not mangus robot fighter and it's not turok it's not those but it's it's uh, it's some dark stuff some shadowy stuff so you 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 will enjoy what what comes out if if you get magnus will you uh, just consider me i want to karate chop some robots baby let's go if we got magnus that you would be you would be the 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 all right good i'm glad that got recorded it's yeah yes Yes. are we getting any more battle of the planets that that one may not be in the cards anytime soon but if it if it came about that would be yeah that's the one i keep hunting for in shops you know, I, I love those little Battle of the Planets, and also people don't know Gold Key was the first publisher of manga in the U.S. The Astro Boy Gold Key issue was no the first way. manga in the U.S. That's oh, oh, that's amazing! Yeah. I love Astro yeah. Boy. Yeah, that's a that, that's the first appearance of Astro Boy in the U.S., and it's a tough one to. Wow. to well, I have something else to hunt for in yeah, there's in, a... in those long boxes. <laughs> yeah, you never know what you're gonna find. Lance, thank you so much for having us and for allowing us to chew your ear off for an hour and a half, two hours. Of, of course. Yeah. It was it was my absolute pleasure. I love talking comics. And for me, the, the whole point of the pod, this podcast that me and my friend made was we wanted to educate ourselves on comic books because we were starting to become more serious readers. And so we would choose a character and then do a bunch of reading and so that we would learn more. And then we're like, let's just record it as we talk about it. Cool. So having both of you on here to talk about gold key, to talk about Boris Karloff and not only educate our listeners about what's going on, but also me, I do greatly appreciate it because this is the stuff that I love. Well, you've got 85 episodes of cool material available to people who want to <laughs> pop in and check it out. I can just do a quick look at what I got up here. We got Grendel. We got yeah. King the Conqueror. Mm. We got Batwing. We got them all, baby. We got them all. You can go She-Hulk. Come on. We we over here, uh, comic book keepers. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having us, for supporting us. Uh, Absolutely. We'll, we'll, let's, let's do this again, like after that first issue is in people's hands, and we can talk about... Um, people are gonna have a lot of questions it's yeah it's really gonna i think <laughs> i think we're really gonna break people's brains with issue one uh to an extent that it's almost scary it's almost like man i hope they stick around and see like why these things have happened and i think that we we've done that uh, i don't want to tease it too much but yeah gold key uh they're doing some wild stuff uh so glad to be here. So glad to be a part of it. Mike, you're, you're the man. Editor-in-chief right there. Look at him smiling. If he, Can you <laughs> well, see you it so under much. his mustache? That's a smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, Lance, for having us. And thank you, Michael, for everything you've done. I mean, this it, it, this has been just a, a, a bit of a dream come true the last couple of years just doing this. And so I really appreciate you having us. And I... I 
I'd love to come back on and just it just yeah of chat. course you are both welcome anytime you would like so any like anytime you want to hype stuff up come on over you could even have me on with something that I got nothing to do with I'm just a good Perfect. fan you know I love things sounds good to me hit me up if you ever if, yeah. you, if it's ever a dry spell a hundred percent absolutely doing that cool it's time to close the book on this to be named gold key boris karloff book so until next time this is lance this is mike d uh, and this is me michael uh reminding you to keep your friends close but your comic books closer